0: the Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing.
1: Good morning and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm here, Pastor Billy Han, Jr. And I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade Telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC, Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV, Channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME, Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV, Channel 20, Grand Junction, Colorado. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel, 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church, and view our Kingdom of God Christian telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church is located at 1043 Middle Street, the headquarters of the Gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world with the sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon, a landmark in Caliph for over 95 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, used exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late Chief Pastor William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will join closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut ins, that is, those of you in the hospitals and confluence and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Today, we are celebrating President's Day. And to start our program, the church choir will sing the song, Jesus is Calling America. The choir is led and accompanied by Assistant Choir Director, Rose Bahaku Carter on the organ and accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano. Like a shepherd calling their sheep to come home, Jesus is calling to all who will hear his voice and obey his commandments to come unto him and be saved from this sin-cursed world. For the first selection, the church band led by George Shulli will play this upbeat song entitled, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. Tracy Asano is our soloist today. She will bring forth the number entitled Written in Red. Tracy is accompanied by George Schul on the piano, associate pastor Mara Bing on the bass, and trustee associate pastor Evans Brodstein on the guitar. What a beautiful reminder of God's love for you and me. Surely there is no greater love than our Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and shed his blood for the salvation of our souls. And now, the church choir will sing immediately of two songs Truth is Marching On with the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Please join in and sing along with our choir members by following the words on your screen. Up next is an instrumental selection by a flute ensemble of the church band. They will play a rendition of Jesus is coming soon. They are led by Sally Spotcalf and accompanied by Christian Hahn on the piano, Iris Locke on the drums. With blended voices, Assistant Pastor Timothy and Emilia Hansen will sing an uplifting song entitled, He Made Everything New. When we accept Jesus into our lives as our personal savior and take on his name in water baptism, we begin a new life in Jesus. And as we place our trust in him and continue to walk and talk with him daily in prayer, the Lord lightens and takes away the load of burdens we carry. This number is dedicated to Mrs. Tamara Cadero, a faithful member of the church. Tomorrow, may the Lord continue to be your strength and guide in all that you do, and pour forth his bountiful blessings upon you. Have a blessed day.
0: I was searching for meaning In the riddle of life All around was confusion so much heartache and strife, so far down I had drifted, only trouble in view, and the day I met Jesus. is forgiven all the ruin and loss it was paid for by jesus when he died on the cross once a slave in bondage now a creature brand new on the day
2: Good morning, and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for a viewing audience, especially if you plan to visit or reside in California. These telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in our Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBYTV, channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado. From 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner cable, channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on jesuscomingsoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At Kamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M L Alverio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinlo in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K.Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotobato, Mindanao, Philippines. You're welcome to attend these services, regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts, and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program back to head Pastor Billy Han, Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin.
1: It is God's desire that all people come to Him in full repentance and receive His salvation full and free. Those who respond and obey His command will be blessed bountifully spiritually, materially, physically, and even financially. The soul who rejects and rises up against the Lord shall be devoured by the sword, and there shall be no remedy for his tragic end. Do we dare provoke the Lord to jealousy? Do we dare contend our strength is greater than His? God forbid. He has the power to save the power to devastate, the power to heal, the power to curse, the power to overcome, and the power to bless. I invite you to partake in today's message entitled, Obey Them That Have the Rule Over You. And I pray that by the time it concludes, you'll be encouraged to seek the Lord, whose powers are limitless and can sustain you in every way. On Monday, we'll celebrate President's Day. A holiday observed to recognize all the presidents who were ever elected to preside over this great country we call America. According to God's word, it is our duty to obey the laws of the land, to honor the leaders of this nation, as well as the leaders of these islands, and to pray that they rule in the fear of God and not man. And now television viewers, let me direct you to 2 Samuel, chapter 23, verses 1 to 3, as we read. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The Rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And that is exactly what King David did. And in turn, we should respect those that rule over us, as you read in Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch over your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And finally, remember them in your prayers who have given the Word of God and preached the promise of eternal life. The star of our weekly telecast certainly is Jesus, and you should always hang your laurels upon Him. To me, every hour of the light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. The sea is a continual miracle. The fishes that swim, the rocks, the motion of waves, the ships with men in them. This excerpt from Walt Whitman's poem, Miracles, reveals beauty in the wonder of God's creations and reminds us that we should never take it for granted. Each tree. Each branch, each leaf, each blade of grass in its own individual splendor is a living monument to God's creative genius. Someone said, miracles take place, not because they are performed, but because they are believed. Many say, I will not believe until I see a miracle. Yes, viewers, you will never see a miracle without first believing. But seeing and hearing are not enough. You must believe. You believe that the person you married and the children you brought into the world and your brothers and sisters and parents and relatives, friends, and every passing stranger without exception are honest to God, miracles. Let us read Psalm 8, verses 1 through 9. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above thy heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honour. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet: all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. In John's Gospel, we watched Jesus perform his first miracle, the changing of water into wine. As we followed him through the word of God, we have seen him perform wonder-working miracles. He healed a man who had been a helpless cripple for 38 years. He fed thousands of people with a few loaves and fishes. He walked upon water. He gave sight to a man who had been born blind. We read John 9, verses 1-3, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Thus we see not all sicknesses of the devil, but for the glory of God. These are some of the miracles, and many miracles are recorded in the other three Gospels. We read in John 20, 30 and 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that he might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that believing ye might have life through his name. John also tells us that if all the things Jesus did were written down, even the world could not contain the books. However, the greatest miracle of all was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. It is true that he raised Jairus' daughter, but she had just died. It is true that he had raised the widow's son, but he had not been buried. Lazarus had been dead and buried a total of four days, yet Jesus raised them to life as easily as you and I can speak his name. In this miracle, we see the greatest proof of Jesus' divine power. We read in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen: all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. As human beings, we see him weeping over the death of Lazarus. As God raised Lazarus from the dead, There had never been one like Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the great, loving, compassionate Savior. In a little town of Bethany, about two miles away from Jerusalem, lived three people whom Jesus loved, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. He considered it a privilege to go to their home to rest and enjoy sweet fellowship with these close friends. What is fellowship? It is walking or living in the light, and that light is Jesus. Read in 1 John 1 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If Jesus came to your city, I wonder if he would want to go to your home. I'm afraid that some of us would be obliged to do some house cleaning before we could even think about inviting him to be our guest, would you feel comfortable if Jesus came into your home and found drugs, liquor, pornographic materials? Would he find dust upon the Bible? Would he hear filthy communication coming out of your mouth? Let us read in Ephesians 4:29-30: Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption." The day of redemption refers to the day when our Lord will return to make our bodies like his glorious body. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Would he find your house filled with the comforts and conveniences of this world, which you have bought the tithe that you withheld from him? Would you be embarrassed to have him there with all that's going on in your home? Let's hope and pray that our homes are like the one in Bethany. While Jesus was on a preaching tour, Lazarus became ill. He had two marvelous sisters, yet they could not prevent his sickness. Sickness is a common experience of men. Some say that sickness is the error of the mortal mind, but this man's mind was not sick, it was his body. Job was a good man and who became very sick. Three friends came to see him and he called them miserable comforters. Each of them tried to prove that Job was sick because he was a sinner. We have no right to say that all sickness is the result of sin. Some of the best Christians in the world have been invalids. Some of the most wicked men have enjoyed good health and lived long lives. Of course, we know that urgently sickness, like all other evil things, came into the world because of sin there was no sickness until Adam and Eve sinned. There will be no sickness, no pain, and no sorrow in heaven. As we read in Revelation 21, 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and thou shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Sickness often comes as a blessing in disguise. Take the true born again believer who had forgotten his vows. He lived a whole lukewarm and baxter in life. The things of the world had gotten the best of him. God inflicted him with sickness and sorrows to draw him back to the faith. The sickness seemed hard at first. Then he thanked God for the disease which brought him back to the Lord's side. We learned that sickness is often sent for our own good, to draw our affections from the world and back to heavenly things. Let us read First John two fifteen to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, do not give first place in your affection and interest to anything that belongs only to the world system that we can see, or the age in which we live, to worldly amusements and habits which do not glorify God. Choose rather that which will abide forever. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." What did the sisters do when Lazarus was seriously ill? They sent for Jesus. That is what every born-again believer should do in a time of sickness. We read in James five fourteen to 15, Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. It's not the elder that is going to heal the sick, but Jesus, the greatest faith healer of all time. We thank God for doctors and the advance in medicine, but they are just instruments in His hands. When sickness and troubles come, let us remember that our Heavenly Father has His face turned towards us, and we can put our hands in His and be at peace. Let us digress from our message and direct our attention to the Gospel for a moment. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes the Holy Ghost and fire, and Jesus is coming soon, and sooner than you think. There are many today who come during the night to seek spiritual blessings and witness the wonderful works of God during our divine healing services every Sunday evening. They see the wonderful healing power of the Lord while the applicants are being prayed over upon being anointed with oil in the name of Jesus. After seeing these wonder-working miracles, many of which only came for healing, realized that they had to be born again, repent of their sins, and take on His name in water baptism. We give them some very explicit instructions regarding being born again. Listen to John 3, 5. Very verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. To be born of water is to be baptized in water by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. To be born of the Spirit is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in an unknown tongue, the only sign which confirms one has this gift, according to Acts 2.4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the Spirit that gives utterance, not man. Outside the name of Jesus, none can be saved. Acts 4, 12 states, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now that God's words, not mine, now let's refocus upon our message. The message the sisters sent to the Lord, Jesus said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. They didn't tell Jesus what to do. They left everything up to him to do what he thought was best. Now, when Jesus received the message, he spoke to his disciples. Let us read John eleven four. When Jesus heard that, he said, His sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Jesus didn't mean that Lazarus would not die, but he meant that death would not have complete dominion over him. You see, the raising of Lazarus was going to be Christ's climatic miracle. Thus, he permitted Lazarus to die, and the to plunge into Saul for a time in order that God might be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. You would think that Jesus would haste himself and revive Lazarus, but he waited two days. Finally, the time had come for him to act. He did everything on time and did not run ahead of God as we often do. As Jesus and the disciples walked along, he broke the news to them in the 11th verse. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then they said, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. He saw that, they didn't understand. Thus he simply said, Lazarus is dead. We look upon death as an awful thing, and to the human mind, it is just that. We go to sleep each night, and when we awaken the following day, we have the same old aches and pains, the same old troubles and the old sorrows. But how different it is when we sleep in Jesus. We awake on another shore, and we find that we are on the threshold of heaven and eternal life. When Jesus reached Bethany, he found that Lazarus had been buried four days. This must have been days of distress for the sisters. They had sent for Jesus, and he hadn't come. They must have lost all hope. Now Martha ran out to meet Jesus. She was the active sister, always doing something. Mary was the pensive, meditative one. Stunned with grief, she sat in the house and waited. When Martha met Jesus, she said, as we read in the 22nd verse, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus answered, as we read the 23rd verse, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha responded in the 24th verse, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She believed in the resurrection, but she could not quite grasp the fact that Jesus could restore her brother's life that very instant. Jesus said some of the most marvelous things ever spoken by anyone, and one is found in the 25th and 26th verses. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? What did he mean? He meant that those who believed in him, even though they were dead like Lazarus, would again be brought to life. What about the saints who lay asleep in graves all over the world? We read in 1 Thessalonians four sixteen: For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. What about those who are living? Jesus said that, They would never die, as we read in the 17th verse. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is the blessed hope of the church, the second coming of Christ in clouds of glory for his own, or those who are water-washed, blood-washed, spirit-filled, and walking in the light. Viewers, are you looking for that blessed hope? I hope so. Now, Mary didn't seem to understand all of this, but she did contend in John eleven twenty seven, 27, Yea, Lord, I believe that Thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. Mary went to meet Jesus and mentioned the same thing that Martha said. Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Then they all wept, including Jesus. He wept in sympathy for his friends. His heart is always touched by grief. Therefore, though we have the promise that God will wipe away all our tears from our eyes, still He shares our sorrows with us. Jesus went to the grave of Lazarus. Let us read the 39th verse. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. The stone was rolled away, and Jesus lifted his voice and prayed. He always prayed before any great undertaking. If he felt the need of prayer, he who was without sin and who possessed all power, how much more should we feel the need of prayer? We read in the 41st and 42nd verses. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 43 says, And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I believe if Jesus had not used the name Lazarus, everybody in the cemetery would have come forth. So great was the power of Jesus, our Savior, Master, and Lord. And what happened? Lazarus came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes and a knacking about his face. Again, Jesus gave the Biases something to do. He said to them, Loose and let him go. Now, each who touched Lazarus would have a great testimony. They could say, we touched him. We know that he had been dead for four days. We know that he came to life again when Jesus called him by his name. This was Christ's greatest miracle. But it had not been a hard thing for him to do. He made man, and he has the power to restore any man to life after death. Let us read John 10, 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Miracles are not natural happenings but supernatural. It was not natural for water to be turned to wine. So those of you in my view, if your weakness is liquor, he can turn the liquor into water. It was not natural for leprosy to yield to a word, but it yielded to grace. Read Mark 1, 40 to 42. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, but forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Yes, the leper was healed just by the word, and he spread for the word and spread the good news to the people. It was not natural for a blind man to regain his sight suddenly, but Jesus, the mighty physician, caused it to happen. He had supernatural power, and he did supernatural things. God has made nature, and he has the power to stop it and change its course. That is what we call a miracle. All things are possible with God. Look at the results of this miracle. Many people who saw Jesus raise Lazarus came to believe upon him. They witnessed the mighty power of Christ and believed that he was truly the son of God. And yes, if you would like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. And until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. To conclude our telecast, the church band will play the song entitled Lean on His Arms. <laughs>